We're a friend in your ear during these challenging times. We are the People's Countryside Environmental Debate Podcast. And today we're starting our new series, uh, Indigenous Voices. And uh, very often we hear people say Indigenous Voices are very, very wise. But what relevance have they got to us on the other side of the world? What relevance do you think they have to you? We're going to find out. I'm Stuart the Wildman Mabber and my job is getting people out into nature in as many ways as possible and I do that through guided walks, writing, these podcasts, whatever I can do. And my co-host? Uh, my name is William Mankelow, thanks so much for being with us and it's, it's great to get this new mini-series off the ground I feel. Um, oh. I'm a photographer, I also do a live show every week on Facebook but I don't really need to talk about that because today the guest speaks. Mm. Speaks for themselves. But- for themselves yeah i'm really looking forward to this this conversation exactly and it is a conversation we often in the title it says debate but this is a going to be a meandering conversation and uh, trying to keep the big issues in everybody's consciousness and we hope to challenge our own beliefs and your beliefs who if you're watching because this is actually being filmed this time and or, or just listening we hope to challenge everybody's thoughts habits mindsets we're just like you just trying to find a way forward and we cover subjects that relate to social justice, nature, philosophy, human condition, climate, sustainability. They all entwine. Who is our guest, William? He's on the screen. Chase, yeah. Chase Ionize, would you like to introduce yourself? I always like to pass it on to the guest to, to introduce himself because you'll say in better words than I ever could do. Well, I will just say uh, it's an honor to be here. Lila Daya Hippolo, Lila Daiwa Chianka below Chase Iron Eyes Imachia Kola Iuha Ichichia Medakuye Oyas I. You know, it's really I'm really glad to be here. It's good to connect with all your listeners. It's very good to see mm. both of you, William mm. and Stuart. And uh, you know, I, I send you greetings from the mm. land of the Ocheti Shakomi, or also known as, as the Great Sioux Nation. The Lakota Nation. Um, it's a beautiful day, and, and I'm glad to be here with you all. So, uh, William and I are over in the UK. I'm in Manchester. Uh, William, you're in house sitting for me, actually, in, yeah. in Oxford. Where are you currently, Chase? I am right now on the Pine Ridge Reservation, which is right near the Black Hills of South Dakota, where there's there's a national monu- monument here known as Mount Rushmore. This is where pre- when pre- when Donald Trump was the president, he held a fireworks show there during a, a time of extreme dangerous COVID. And we went out to make sure that uh, he needed to seek our consent, our permission to come within our country. We, we are a country that is currently occupied illegally by the United States, and, and because of of the legal and religious traditions of uh, Christian Europeans, they have been able to sort of uh, subjugate and and deny to us our full humanity and our full sovereign rights. But I, I say that because there's no way to tell you that I'm on the Pine Ridge Reservation without telling you that we were confined to these places in 1889 in, in and around those times, kind of at, at the end of, of our military might, uh, we defeated the United States uh, soldiers and armies 
several times, but, but by that time we had been corralled, we had, had been effectively neutralized, and we were split up on all these different reservations. So I grew up on the Standing Rock Reservation, the Standing Rock Nation, where the no dapple struggle happened just five years ago, four years ago. And now I now live on the, the one that is known as Pine Ridge. And uh, I've been here for about four years. And this is the land of my father. You know, my, my wife is a health professional. So she moved here. And, and this is the reason why I find myself here today. But I'm, I'm very close to the epicenter of our our cosmology, and, and that is the Black Hills, you know, Chesapama, Koche, Lilawa, Kayelo. This land here is very, very sacred uh, to, to the world. But our people specifically have these tethers to the land and to the waters and to the sacred sites that, you know, I, I can tell by talking to you guys that you understand everything that I'm saying. You, you know where I'm coming from so yeah. to speak and and you know it's 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 a blessing that we are still here meaning the indigenous nations the indigenous peoples but every single human being descends from a tradition that worked in a practical manner just like ours we all at one time had spiritual economies or we had regenerative technologies in ways to create a symbiosis with the outer, the, the the natural environment as we know it, and 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 you know the indigenous nations who are still tethered, and we 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 are bound to uphold our side of the covenant that that the two-legged species have with with the other species much older than us, I might add. We we still recognize our obligations and do our best every season to uphold those obligations. This is why we still do ceremonies, you know, the rituals that we've had for, I don't even know how long, thousands of years, yeah. tens of thousands of years. Um, but that is a long way of telling you that I'm in the Western Hemisphere. I'm, I'm right in, in my homeland. Yeah. Well, I became aware, William, I became aware of Chase uh, probably during lockdown, the UK lockdown, because there was a, a film, uh, film night and a film documentary that was shown was called a film called Thirst for Justice, who the director was based in London, but went to the US and uh, mm. was, was showing how the, the, the water was being polluted and, uh, and through um, pipelines and uh, oil pipelines and various things. I became aware of Chase through that. And Chase, just quickly, um, I became aware that you were then involved with the Lakota People's Law Project. And I don't know how to say this. You are a member of the uh sue ogla la nation am i is that yeah. pronounced right that is that is right I, I i was born in the black hills and then i uh my mom moved us to the land of sitting bull you might have heard of sitting bull yep uh, he's a world-renowned figure uh one of our spiritual leaders a prophet a healer a statesperson a warrior I was raised on the Standing Rock Nation or the Standing Rock Reservation until I was 19. And then I took the journey through Western academia and, and sought out post-secondary training in, in political science and as crazy as it seems, uh, indigenous studies, Native American studies. I first walked into that class thinking, are they going to study me or what? what is actually going to happen in this class? So. And then it was law school, 
And now I came to the land of my father, which is the Pine Ridge Reservation. On Standing Rock, Sitting Bull's people are called the Hunkpapa, but there's also Ihunktawa. There's other bands of the Sioux Nation that are there. And then on Pine Ridge are the Oglala, the land of Crazy Horse, the land of, of Red Cloud, uh, and many great uh, leaders in, in, in our, you know, it's our history. It's only, my grandfather was born in 1900. But that is to say that the United States has a system by which we indigenous peoples have have adopted, uh, much to our detriment, a system of blood quantum, kind of like uh, like chattel property, actually, like like a horse or like a pedigreed uh, animal. This is how we assign uh, our blood quantum to ourselves today. So when I got here, even though this is the land of my father and everybody speaks the same language I do, whether it's English or Lakota, they treated me like an outsider because for 120 some years we had taken on these different identities and so they said you as an outsider cannot work here for our tribal government unless you're a member of this tribe and it was kind of an attempt to exclude me so i said okay well show me the forms give me the obstacle course to take you know i'm going to switch teams here i'm going to go from the standing rock sioux tribe to the oglala sioux tribe so now i am a member of this tribe but we're we're all one we're, we're called mm. the Lakota nation or even the Ocheti Shakoi is another uh, mm. another word a Sioux nation of course that came from from the French and uh, our old school uh, enemies uh, people that we fought with for territory called the Anishinaabe or the Ojibwa you know they they had a good trade deal trade deal with the French and, and they got better tech than us at that time and were able to push us out but they that's where the, the French said who are these people and the Anishinaabe said, "Those they're Algonquian." They said, "Those are the little snakes, the 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 mm. the, the lesser snakes, because they had also made enemies, longer enemies, with the Iroquois, which is another French word, but the Haudenosaunee people." And so Sioux is 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 a misnomer, but it's it, it's what it says on the treaties. It's how the world knows us. And so we, you know, as a matter of yes, it, it, semantically. We prefer something else like Lakota or Ocheti Shakoni, but the world knows the word Sioux. So anyhow, um, I've been working with Lakota People's Law Project for about a decade, and I got involved there because of their stance, our stance in addressing the systemic nature of, of taking and placing indigenous children away from their cultural identity units, you know, their families, their their Tiwahes, their Tioshpayes, their kin network. Um, the states like South Dakota, you may have heard of a certain governor here named Christine Nome, who uh, who has has threatened us in a time of COVID just a year ago. She threatened to invade our borders. She said if you don't because we put up these checkpoints, if you don't take down these checkpoints, you're going to face legal consequence within 40, you know, at the at the mm. deadline of 48 hours. So you got to understand, I live in a place where the United States FBI COINTELPRO instigated a civil war here. They admitted to maybe 60, 65 unsolved murders. And, and I come from the families that were murdered during this mm. time. So it, it was very tense here in terms of like, what is this governor of the state of South Dakota going to do? So I was there that day. A thousand people showed up with all their guns to all the borders and said, 
send in the army, send in the National Guard. We don't care who you're sending in. We are our own nation and you don't have the right to to tell us to open up our borders or do whatever it is that you think you can do, even though you're the mightiest empire in, in since the Romans. You know what I mean? Like so. So this is I say this because in our organization, we are constantly confronting these different aspects of, of a colonial settler mentality. These guys that, that are around this part of the country are still playing cowboys and Indians mm. to, the, to, to this day. And, and it, it showed with the, the movement at Standing Rock with the Dakota Access Pipeline. I was charged with inciting a riot simply because I did some live feeds and, and I explained to anybody who was listening, but I was specifically inviting media people, journalists, lawyers, legal observers, whoever could come with us and, and witness the stance for to, to defend our treaty rights and to defend our children's rights to clean water and healthy ecosystems. So mm. our, our work has taken many forms, but that's kind of what drew me to Lakota Law. Mm. Okay, well, there, I've learned a lot in that little section, William, and uh, I yeah. think... Uh, yeah, I think you might be thinking, "What? What's Stuart dragged me into?" <laughs> but no, you know, just, this... I'm just I'm just listening. As I, I said right at the start, I'm, I was just I'm just want to listen. Really, listen to what you're saying, Chase. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, we, want, um... we want to get onto this question that we want to debate, but I think you're already touching upon the question we're going to be discussing today, which is a question that was sent in by a listener. We've already discussed it on the podcast previously, haven't we, Stuart? Yeah, we. Uh... Uh, the, the, we're going to ha- ask Chase this this question, get his personal views quickly, and we, we will then. We've also posted this same question on Reddit, and we've had three different responses. And we're going to discuss, mm. have a quick chat with Chase around those three responses. But they will be behind a paywall on Patreon. Look us up there. But the question we want to fire at you, Chase, and I want to put a little subtitle in there as well. The question is: Does direct action get any a subtitle? Yeah, always a subtitle. Does direct action get anyone anywhere? And the little subtitle I'd like to put in there, do you have any personal examples of doors that have been opened by direct action mm. and maybe doors that have been closed because of direct action? Your personal experience, please, Chase. Hmm. Thank you for that. We, we live in a world where the prevailing order the systems of law the systems of economy the systems of of government of of media of education are designed the these these systems which inform the human being what it is which inform the human being and give the human being the, the 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 software the 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 unspoken coded mores of this society of the english thinking universe those systems are designed to protect and defend by with all violence necessary capital and property and I don't know the system that well. My level of expertise isn't that learned to tell everybody exactly how it evolved. But it's taken dangerous turns 
with the invention of, of corporate personhood, for instance, because a corporation can then destroy a river that we all need to live another day. And in this system that protects capital and property, we don't see so much as, as one of those CEOs or a major shareholder going to prison. The same way that they threatened me with six years in prison, somebody who destroys our children's water for maybe forever should not only face prison time, but also have their corporate charter revoked. This is something that is almost unimaginable in systems of, of Western order, Western jurisprudence. And that, that's my training. I'm a lawyer, and so I, I understand that how the system works and how it confronts dissent and, and how it, it's, it's liquid, it's fluid, it's, it's insidious. It gets, it gets into to the, the, the neurological constructs that, that we operate with as, as, as the human species. And so, so, you know, with fear, doubt, and confusion, which come not only in the religious tradition, but in the systems of laws that says, if you don't conform to the way we're running things, you're going to suffer some sort of, of cognizable injury. You, there will be no upward mobility for you who do not conform to this system where, whereby you must trade your labor, your talents, your energy, your time for a bit of currency so that you can obtain those, those modicums of success and, and the, the necessities of life. You can feed yourself, you can clothe yourself, shelter yourself, water yourself, energize yourself with heat and cooling and so forth. This, the system is designed to impose that, that a place where people are coddled by the comforts of, of that, the, the logic of capital, the systems of capital, so forth. So for me, I've done, I've played by all the rules my whole life, considering where I was born into, which is an oppressed demographic, legally, politically, and economically terrorized by the United States, which relies on the doctrine of discovery, which comes from the Christian European universe, which st states that I am a Saracen, I am a heathen, I am uncivilized, I am a barbarian, I am savage, I am antithetical to what a proponent of Western civilized order considers progress. Hmm. So my rights extend so, even if I'm in the court system, wherever I'm at, I'm in the court of the colonizer. And, and colonization is a state of mind. For everybody that's listening, just because you descend from, from the Brits or from the Aussies or from the Kiwis or who, whoever went where, the Canadians, that doesn't mean you're a colonizer. Doesn't mean you're an oppressor. But if you're ignorant about it and you don't understand how those systems of, of privilege and power are at work, every single day, then, then you're complicit in it, albeit you're unaware of it, but that's why you need to listen to the people's countryside because mm. we're able to explore 
different perspectives. I say all that because I was forced into a defense position. When you back a coyote into a corner, it's going to defend itself. It's it's smart. It's crafty. It's cunning. It's going to survive. It's going to adapt, evolve to anything that confronts it. Even today, the coyotes are still there. They're still living their lives. Nake nula wa umelo, you know, shugmani tu. Hemacha, that's what they would say. I am wherever I go, I live my life. I am one of these coyote people. That's mm. what that's what the coyote would say. So, I was so just say, with you backed in that corner, then that that leads to direct action, then doesn't it? This direct action is one of the only thing that gets the goods. It is it is it is like a vote. It is it is the voice of the oppressed saying, "My agency, my vote." My voice has not mattered in these colonial constructs like it would if I were a white American or I was a property-owning heteronormative patriarch. So then actually direct action in itself is the only action you can take and also is the actual act of doing it is actually doing something, you know. Whether or not whether or not there's going to be a whatever successful outcome is for direct action, it's just it's actually doing something because you have to do something. Um, we I, have to do something, the, and and this is what drives everybody. There's just been 300 people arrested in front of the White House two days ago. I Yesterday, scores of people inside the United States Department of Interior, the Bureau of Indian Affairs. It is a form of ceremony for those who are engaged in it. Like at Standing Rock, all of our ceremonies require us to come together and offer our bodies, offer ourselves and, and surrender to the powers of creation. In direct action, we are surrendering ourselves. We are offering our bodies, placing ourselves in harm's way so that the machinery of extractive colonialism must kill us or imprison us or we are going to get free we are going to know the power of peace and we are going to be able to move our collective consciousness into a place that we cherish and we hold sacred and and we are trying to incorporate just like sitting bull said if you see whatever you see in the white man's road, because to him it was the white man, whatever you see in the white man's road that is good, pick it up. And whatever you see that is bad, leave it be. So technology, metal technology, different elemental technologies, that that can be good. I mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation if I didn't have Wi-Fi. Yeah. But scientific supremacy, the cultural mythology that has guys like Jeff Bezos and what's his name, Elon Musk and, and the other guy flying around space rather than worrying about how we can defend and protect the, the crystal clear waters that we have on our planet and taking care of our planet right now. That's proof that that we have work to do. Mm. It, it, what we've what we've been told was civilization has led us to the precipice of, of an extinction level event for our species. So we have the ability 
to change our reality, to co-create our reality, to become aware, to become spiritually uh, connected, to recognize the, the divine connections that are inherent in our birthrights. And the, the systems that are in place, they are very much aware of this. They, I, they could be serving even, even alternative energies in the universe in, in order to maintain this oppressive system, this dynamic that oppresses the, the racially subjugated, oppresses every working class human being in the world, denies to us healthcare, student debt relief, I mean, basic human rights like clean water and clean air. And, and mm. you know, you know we, we are very much engaged in that dialectic, um, whether we're aware of it or not. So I, I, I would just say that, you know, direct action is, is part of our voice. You know, it's, it's a step away from like my father and his peers picking up arms and taking up armed struggle against that oppression. It's a different tactical move that appeals to the redeemable qualities of other human beings who also want to wake up, who also want a ceremonial connection to the infinite expansion of creation, to the sacred sites that are right near wherever anyone is, to the waters, to, to coloring their universe in a different way to, to seeking a sacred metaphysics what we've what we've received in at least in the western world is is an abstraction it's a separation it moves us away from from our relationships with our divine nature and and our sacred surroundings you know we said we i might sound like I'm, I'm speaking about magic or something but i'm i'm talking about what we the human condition the path of navigating a very difficult human condition you know all the indigenous cultural mythology has 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 survived we've adapted we've evolved and and we're still here you know able mm. to share we're still reaching out with one hand saying look it let's let's be friends so are you saying then that the the main positive that's come out of the direct action recently in the middle past and in the long past is the fact you guys are still here that's the success you are still here because yeah. you've taken direct action the success is that you know those those are ceremonies. Hmm. When Sandy Rock happened, we brought our sacred instruments. We we um, sanctified and consecrated the areas that human beings came to to offer themselves in that cosmic sacrifice. Saying, "Look, it, I am here to give myself to defend Mother Earth, to defend our children's rights, to inherit a livable." planet and and the success because it's hard to stomach the fact that the pipeline was built it's hard to stomach the fact that that there is oil flowing through it today but people were awakened and and global consciousness shifted in in a way that empowered and and produced greta thunberg for instance or tokata iron eyes who who is a contemporary of of greta and mm. And, and people are, are you know, the, the linguistics, the, the lexicon, the verbiage, the ways of knowing and speaking about what we're confronted with has changed. And so that that is for the better. And, and, and you know, because the system, 
that says, uh, you know, that, that tries to subjugate and control the, the playing field or the theater of, of war for, for its dissenters. They have the monopoly on violence and on carceration or incarceration, carceral system. So if a guy like me is speaking too much truth, then they have the private military contractors come and investigate me, tail me, trail me and my daughter, log all of our movements. I mean, they, they, this is their business. This is their livelihood. The ultra ruling class have first class seats on the Titanic. And they are willing to let the entire ship go down just so long as they can continue to enjoy that place of comfort and privilege. And, and, and we just simply won't allow that. So that's why direct action is always going to happen. William, uh, th that is a, a great introduction to that question. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, we just... There's so uh, much in there. This is, this is the podcast episode that has the, less, the, least, the least amount of Stuart and I talking. And knowing how much Stuart talks normally <laughs> on this podcast, that's yeah. that's saying something. But we really have been, I've been, I've just been listening and to, to what you're saying, Chase. And it, I'm gonna to have to listen back to there's mm. so much to unpack in that anyway. Just so much information. It was just a lot of that mm. I was understanding, but it, I need to listen back to it, I feel. Yeah. This is uh, the People's Countryside Environmental Debate Podcast. If you're listening to this, if you go over onto our YouTube channel, you'll be able to actually see this conversation. And this is the first in the, the mini-series we're doing called Inv Indigenous Voices. Our guest has been Chase Iron Eyes. Uh, we're in the UK, William and I, and Chase is in the US. And we're going to now explore that same question. Do you think direct action gets anybody anywhere? We, we, we're going to explore that again uh, uh, because we posted that on Reddit and we've had three interesting responses from people. Yeah. We're going to record uh, an analysis of each of those three questions, but you can only access that on our Patreon page, William. What do you have? What tiers of support do you need to? Uh, yeah. It's uh, oh, was it Indigenous Voice? Yeah. Is that, the, is that I think patron, so. Patreon tier? We should know our Patreon tiers off by heart now, but yeah, we do we have... Don't. We do have nine of them, so mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, th I think it's page, Patreon voice, mm. oh, Indigenous voices. Sorry, big pun. Yeah, join us over on Patreon. Listen to us there. We mm. are hoping, Chase, we don't scare Chase off on this, and we we will record again going forward because we very much would like to support what you do, Chase. Um, you've mentioned um, Sitting Bull. Well, I, I first got into conservation environmentalism through an issue in the 1970s and 80s which was more um social justice or social injustice i've never really revealed publicly what that is and i'm not going to reveal but prior to that influence that got me into it the sitting bull story were, resonated with me as a young child and it's really interesting you've raised it again now because it's just feels like it's meant to be destiny man mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, Stuart, we, you're, a bit, you're a big you're a big believer in destiny, aren't you? I'll yeah. just say the that, the actual champ the um, tier is indigenous champion. That's what we've called it. Oh, okay. So Chase, if anybody wants to get hold of you, find out more about you, contact you, get involved, what can they do? Thank you for that. And and you know what? Uh, nothing happens by accident. We we all become aware of the different levels of of synchronistic happenings and sometimes we feel like we're playing a role rather than like we're, we have the ultimate free will and self-determination and, and the ability to co-create our reality even though we do 
I'm with you on that. That there, there's no accidents. I will, you know, it, look. It, it's been an. It's my honor to be able to speak with the people of the UK. You should know that my people, the Ocheti Shakomi, the Sioux Nation, we sent aid to the Brits during the War of 1812. We sent aid to the Brits in, in pretty much every conflict that the Brits were involved in, in, our, in Turtle Island, in the United States, in our continent, in what is now Canada. We've, we've fought on every side of every single conflict you know, since, since, since the human history on this land. But if I would encourage you to connect with me uh, by Twitter, at um, Chase Iron Eyes, organizationally, at Lakota Law, at Last Real Indians. Those, those are places where uh, I try to, to publish my work. And, and so far, my work has been, you know, 90% spoken word. I haven't written an uh, in, in, in article or a piece or an editorial or anything like that from my own penmanship for for a while but it's because i i have become a a, a speaker in different circles mm -hmm. and i'm very much interested though in finishing up my writing project which is well it's going to be different now that was like three years ago when i started that so it'll be much much different but there, I have my own webcast and podcast that you can go and there's 31 episodes. Each of them are, you know, 90 minutes long, 60 minutes long. They're, they're not like tightly organized. And, and we're, we're, we're currently in the process of, of changing the way that I deliver that show. Uh, there's, those, those would be the ways to connect with me. Um, we've always got a lot going on. I explained a little bit earlier that you know, I inherited the, the struggle for indigenous liberation. And now I'm trying to connect that to people who are now American, who who have uh, constitutional rights, who have human rights. Maybe that's why I went to law school was to learn how to create that nexus and, and to build those bridges. I've had to do that for a long time in my opinion it's the only way that i stayed out of prison it's the only way that that we were not fully genocided and massacred because there were people who had compassion back in in at the start of the reservation era we do a lot of work right now to redress the situation that i'm sure you're seeing where there's church run state-sponsored they call them boarding schools or residential schools, but these are euphemisms for uh, torture camps. These are places where they cut our hair, they sexually abuse. That's just horrific, unimaginable tragedy. And now we're finding mass graves. There's some almost 6,000 young children have been found outside of these church-run schools, hmm. which is just, that is challenging for the, not only for the entire Catholic faith, but for indigenous nations who who have subscribed to Catholicism, you know, by force, um, but now it's it's sort of like we're, we're natural born divinity scholars now. But it's challenging to see that those who represent, you know, the the church and and uh, all that it that it that it brings, um, you know, mm. involved in 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 the in doing this to children. And, and so anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Chase. Uh, we, Chase will be with us again soon, hopefully. And um, 
I think that, that's a great cracking start to the Indigenous Voices series, mm. uh, William. Absolute, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And uh, anyway, so if anybody's wondering, I've been Stuart, the Wild Man Mabbit. He's been... I've been William Manclo. Uh, thank you so much, Chase, for being with us on this specific episode. Um, there's so much in there to um, unpack. It's, I think we're all going to listen to this several times over because there was mm. so much to, to, to take in there. I will say that, uh, you know, I look forward to meeting you guys in person. I have not been to to the UK yet, but I, I want to get there. My daughter has, you know, Tokata Iron Eyes. She was there during the filming of uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So we, we, we've got kind of these, these tacit connections mm-hmm. to the UK. And I'm part of the, the, the English thinking demographic. And so I have the ability and responsibility to try to make these connections, especially in the UK. I'm also doing work in Italy because that is the seat of the Vatican. You know, we, we can create a different relationship. It doesn't always have to be this, these, these you know, we're, we've been divided and classified according to race, religion, gender, all of these different uh, aspects of, of human consciousness. And, and it's incumbent upon us to, to, to graduate from those and, and evolve and, and try to do what Sitting Bull had instructed us to do, which is to pick up what's good and leave what's bad and try to create a better reality.